Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Woke Women Writing. This is your host, Michaela. Um, right now, we have been in the middle of reading a book called Unladylike by Christine Conger and Caroline Irvin, illustrated by Tyler Theodore. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. Yeah. So last week, we had my buddy Susanna on the podcast with us, and that got a lot of views, so that was really awesome. I just saw that now, like 12 people, a whole 12 people listened to it, which is like, wow, so cool. Anyway, today is Mother's Day, the day I'm recording, so make sure you call your moms when this comes out tomorrow, so hopefully you already called your mom, and just wish her a happy Mother's Day and tell her that you love her and all the important things that she does. It's always just a nice reminder, of course. Uh, my housemates, they are hanging out with their mom slash stepmom. And they're on the boat right now, which is nice and quiet in the house. Yes. Uh, I've been good, in case anyone was wondering. I've been working on my thesis. That's due in about two weeks. And uh, yesterday I did quite a bit. So I'm quite proud of myself. I just have like some editing, basically, to do and like a conclusion left. So I'm really proud of the progress I'm making. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else is um, working on big school projects right now, but you can do this. I believe in you. I didn't think I could do it. I haven't done it yet, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay, so to this chapter is chapter four called Body Baggage, Too Fat, Too Hairy, to You. So this goes into detail about women's bodies, yeah. Okay, I took a lot of good notes, so basically this chapter kind of starts out with, um, with, like, the medical community and saying how back in the day, women's bodies were just seen as the same as men's bodies, just a little, you know, we just have boobs and hips and we don't have penises, you know, and that's not the way it should be seen. Because, basically, like, we have a lot of, like, medical problems that need to be addressed. That can't be addressed if you just see it as, oh, a man's body that's just a little bit different. No, like, um, to get you some stats, like, 10% of women um, have endometriosis. 20% of women have polytastic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS. And with, like, chronic fatigue syndrome, women are four times more likely to need a diagnosis for that than men. So, like, chemically, hormonally, like, we are very, very different. And that needs to be addressed. We're not just, the quote is, women are not just men with boobs and tubes, uh, said by a gynecologist and a director of Sex and Gender Women's Health Collaboration. We can actually harm women by not researching them correctly and knowing the differences, is the rest of that quote. So that's important to be aware of, basically. And then there was, like, this field notes section and a lot of different body parts that I kind of want to talk about a little bit and how they are completely normal and how we shouldn't be, like, shaming the, like, bodies at all. So one of them is stretch marks. 
I think stretch marks are so cute. I think they look like tiger stripes. I think they're so adorable. Uh, I have stretch marks just from, like, puberty on, like, my thighs. Like, they're pretty faint, but I still have them. And I think it's thought, like, oh, only women who have been pregnant have stretch marks. No. Like, almost, like, a lot of women have stretch marks. Even if that's, you know, from being pregnant or from puberty like me or just from getting tall. Like, maybe you had a growth spurt and you just shot up real fast. You know, you can get stretch marks from that. Um, cellulite, which is just, like, little pieces of fat in your in your body. That's totally normal. Like... That's, like, women wearing shorts. You're probably gonna see some cellulite. And that's cool. And it's not just, like, moms who have cellulite, you know? Like, I remember in high school, we, like, in choir, we all had cellulite. Like, or when I was protesting, and then there was the summertime, and seeing, like, girls my age be like, I recognize that cellulite. We went to high school together. You know? Like, it's totally, totally normal. And... Inner thighs that rub together. Okay, so I want to talk about this one a little bit. Thighs rub together. And you don't have to have, like, thick thighs. Even though we all know thick thighs save lives. You don't need to have thick thighs for them to rub together. Um, And it hurts when they rub together. Like, in the summertime, if you're wearing shorts that are, like, a little bit shorter. And you're sweating. And you get like that, uh, that chafing and like that, uh, that friction and it turns red and yeah, that's shitty. And I remember I was at like a fancy running store with my mama a few, like maybe last summer or so on, um, on this vacation spot and they had like, what was it called? Like things to prevent that, what I call chub rub, even though I shouldn't, cause it's, not related to being chubby, but chub web. Um, I think, and it's like a balm. I have my medical box. Oh, here it is. Uh, it's called Body Glide, the original anti-shafe balm that you just put on wherever you may have shaving, and it makes it like glidey and nice. And it's meant for running, but I use it all the time in the summertime if I'm like wearing shorts or something, and. I noticed there was, like, blue packaging and pink packaging. And and the pink packaging, of course, was, like, two euros or two dollars more. It was, like, ten dollars versus twelve dollars. And I asked, like, the Wookabee, like, hey, what's the difference between the pink one and the blue one? And they were just like, oh, I think the pink one smells nice and the blue one has no smell. I was like, okay, I'm gonna get the blue one. I don't need it to be pink and smell like flowers. Um, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I'm okay. It was a bit, a little bit silly. Yeah. Um, some other things that we shouldn't be shaming, and I'm gonna go into this further a little bit later. But, like, body hair. We all had it. We all have it. It's all over us. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, so, moving forward. Basically, um... So plus size bodies, right? They exist. We love them. Amazing. And it's getting a little bit better with 
fashion industries, kind of making clothes that fit all types of bodies. You know, like I think what I think it was American Eagle just made plus size mom jeans. I think that's what I've been seeing on TikTok and everyone's freaking out because it's like, oh, plus size mom jeans. Now I can finally wear mom jeans, even though I thought mom jeans left the trend in like 2014, but that's okay. Yeah. Um. So we have, my point is, we have, you know, fashion being more exclusive, but then we still have things in the market like, like waist trainers. Which is very similar, I feel, to corsets. And this book makes that analogy really well. And how corsets, you know, are really, really tight on your ribs, on your spine. And, like, we know medically they're not good for, like, long-term use. You know? Um, But we still have things like waist trainers and that they're not that much better you know like and they're kim kardashian approved as well which is like okay cool um yeah so like why do we keep these things on the market which we know are inherently bad for us um kind of that also reminds me of spandex that's a thing right which like i don't think they're medically bad for you but basically just like pushing all your fat inside you and making you like skinnier i feel like in a way that is mentally damaging if not like because it's not super physically damaging i don't believe but just to be like oh i'm going on a wait i'm going on a excuse me i'm going on a date i gotta go get my spandex on so i'm like skinny and pretty and blah 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 um and then you you deliberately put things on that like don't that make you maybe not like your body the way that your body is you know i don't think wearing things that push your fat in one direction or another every day is going to make you love your body not wearing it if that makes sense yeah so also the next kind of section is about disabilities and like things like being disabled it sucks obviously i'm not disabled so i can't speak too much about it or i'm not physically disabled i'm probably mentally disabled in a few ways um uh, dyslexia etc um probably depression too but basically like as long as someone who has a disability can pass or publicly distinguish as like not being disabled like it's a lot better and that sucks you know like if your disability is invisible maybe chronic pain something like that you won't get as much like discrimination as someone who isn't passable and like the disability is very visible you know what i mean and so to be disabled as well as having to um, have, like, these, what was the word I was looking for? These gender norms, like, fighting that as well. And, you know, maybe you can't feel as feminine as you want to be because maybe you're wheelchair bound 
and you really like your hips and you just wish people could see your hips because your hips make you feel super feminine. But you can't because you can't stand up on your own and you feel less feminine because of that. You know, like that, that's shitty. Um, oh, the, okay, so this is like a little extra field note, which I thought was a little bit funny. Am I talking too fast? I don't know. Um, I went through this whole chapter because it wasn't too long. It was just like 13 pages. But Barbie, yes. Okay. Barbie, Barbie, Barbie. Like the toy, the doll, whatever you want to call it. Um, Barbie came out in 1959 at American Toy Fair with the tagline, Barbie, you're beautiful. And they got a lot of, like, millions of little girls to agree. Um, so, basically, Barbie was the first doll to have boobs. Okay, before that, it was basically, like, baby dolls, or, like, not full women, if that makes sense. So, this was a bit of a, like, little bit eye-opening to moms, kind of raising an eyebrow, like, why does my child's doll have boobs? You know, I don't know how I feel about that. That's a little, uh, sexualizing, I suppose. So in order to, um, combat that and to not make it a, a naked, full woman, woman's body, they <laughs> took away her nipples, they took away body hair, um, no labia, like, just to desexualize her, just enough to pass that parental, um, need, basically. Um, which I think is a little bit funny. You know, I can't really uh, picture Barbie with armpit hair or leg hair. Or with nipples. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of how they, they did that. But it was like, they were getting kind of like calls or something like... Um, one woman informed that the Mattel marketers, so, like, the Mattel brand, that she kept on calling her Barbie daddy dolls because they were so sexy they could be a cute decoration for a man's bar, basically. Because, yeah, it's the first time that, like, they had boobs, she had hips, she had legs, long legs. You know, she had long hair and eyelashes. So, it was a little, little risque from, from the mom's side. And, like, can we talk about Barbie's proportions for a second? Um, like, if she was a real woman with the exact same proportions, I'm pretty sure, like, I think I read this somewhere, she wouldn't be able to stand up because her boobs would be so heavy and so, like, so front-heavy and she's so skinny that she doesn't have the body weight to counteract the front heaviness of her boobs. Um, so if she was real life woman, she would be five foot nine, which is you know that's that's pretty tall for a girl. You know? um, Twenty one inch waist, and a thirty inch bust. What a pain in the back! What a pain in the back! Um, that's like that's in that's crazy. I don't really know proportions <laughs> that well. I'm gonna be honest. I don't measure myself. But just to think that, like, your boobs are, 
boobs being 30 inches and your waist being 21 inches. Um, that, that can't be healthy. No, no, no. I think she would also be, like, someone, like, 120 pounds being five foot nine. You know, like, mm-mm, So, I don't, you know, I think there's a lot of studies on this, on this as well. That, like, girls have negative body issues because Barbie is so skinny. And then finally, in uh, 2016, Mattel... Um, made the new line of girls with different body sizes. You know, the first time I bought my first Barbie, I think I was like 17 years old. I bought my first Barbie when I was 17 because she was a curvy Barbie. And I was, you know, waiting tables or like working at a pizza place or whatever, fast food. And I used my paycheck to buy my first Barbie because she was fucking curvy. And I thought that was so cool, and I was like, and I got so excited, I was like, I look like this Barbie, I look like this Barbie. And of course, at that age, you know, no one cares, no one is excited for you, but I was freaking excited. So there was curvy Barbies, there was petite Barbies, tall Barbies. You know, I remember also there was like black Barbies and Asian Barbies, and it got so diverse so quickly. Um, Yeah, it took them a very, very long time to get there, but eventually they got there, which is really cool, I think. Yeah. So the next part we're gonna talk about is boobs. That's part of women's bodies. That's very important. I'm in a good mood this morning. I don't know why. Um. But basically, boobs and exercise. Okay. It's a pain. It's a pain. And um, there was like this study done that like by age of fourteen, girls drop out of sports twice at the rate of boys do. And they don't get as enough, like, physical exercise. They feel more insecure in, like, PE class. Um, I remember being in PE class in middle school. So, you know, this is when we, some girls were bigger than other girls. You know, everyone had a very different body at that age. And running the PESA test. Uh, if you're European, you don't know what the PESA test is. But it's basically, you run across the gym. So... What? A, how does it start? The PESA test will begin on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three, start. And you, it makes a beep and you run across the gym. I don't know, maybe it's like 50 meters or something. And then you get there and it beeps again and then you run back and back. And then every like 10 times you have to go a little bit faster. So it gives you less time to make it to the end of the gym. And if you don't make it in time, then you're out. And, yeah, and then you have to log how many times you could run across the gym in time. And so you, at one point, you're basically squinting. Anyway, I remember in middle school, like, girls would get so insecure because you're just squinting across the gym. And as more and more people don't, can't run anymore, uh, they just sit down. They just sit on the bleachers and just watch everyone else run because they are out. They didn't make it anymore. So if you had really big boobs and you're a really strong runner, the whole gym is just watching your boobs run. And I feel like a lot of girls stopped running early because they noticed they didn't want to be highlighted. They didn't want to be the last one there just running back and forth um, because they had really big boobs. And that's a little bit sad, you know? And there was... Yeah, so... 
girls need to be confident in running. Actually, I didn't realize this before, but there's a lot of movement when we run. So, cup sizes C or D, they accelerate up to 45 miles per hour while sprinting. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, in an hour of jogging, they will, like, bounce several thousand times. That's wild. I went on a run. And it was, like, an accidental run. And what I mean by that, I was wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt, basically PJs. No bra. I went to my Yumbo and I got, like, a snack. I got a piece of bread or a donut or something. And then I ate my snack. I was walking through the trails. And then I was like, you know what? I want to start running. So I started running. And I didn't have a sports bra on. You know, I had an oversized sweatshirt, so it was fine. I was kind of, like, holding my boobs a little bit. But by the end, you know, it was okay. I didn't need to hold them anymore. Like, I was fine. So I was running without a sports bra. Just on my own. And, yeah, it was it was okay. But I know I'm very privileged in saying that because I have itty-bitty titties, as my sister used to say. Um, which, I mean, I don't care. So... Then, yesterday, or the day before, I went on a run again, and I put on a sports bra, and I was like, oh, this is so much easier. I don't have to, like, think about it. And it never, like, really hurts me if I'm running without a bra or without a sports bra, because uh, there's not that much, like, weight to be bouncing, if that makes sense. So, but it is nice to have a sports bra, for sure. For sure, for sure. Uh, I remember when I was doing a track slash cross country in high school, like, the first few years I was in high school, there was one girl, and she had really, really big boobs, and she had to wear, like, two to three sports bras at a time to just make her comfortable running. And I think she had, like, pink hair, neon pink hair. And there was a mom who would always, like, train with us, so, you know, make sure we were stretching and everything. And we are like, oh, where's, let's say her name was Lily. Where's, like, is Lily back yet? Has she finished her run? Oh, I see her. And then the mom was like, oh, I see her. And I was like, oh, yeah, her pink hair, she's easy to spot. And she's like, oh, yeah, that also. Kind of insinuating the 16-year-old girl, like, you can identify her by her boobs. Which is, like, maybe not the best thing for a mom to say about, like, a child who is not her own. But I digress. <laughs> yeah, speaking of running, while we're talking about that, a little side note. Um... Women couldn't run marathons for a really long time. Um, in 1966, this woman, Bobby Gibb, was the first woman to... She completed the Boston Marathon. And women weren't allowed to run further than 4 kilometers or 2.4 miles. Um, because doctors and experts assumed that... Or presumed, assumed, presumed, that they couldn't withstand that much exertion. And it would damage the women's fertility and femininity. So they can't run. And American College of Sports Medicine didn't declare long-distance running safe for women until 1980. Like, I was like 40 years ago, right? 1980. Like, my mom was like a young adult in 1980. And it wasn't declared safe yet. Oh my goodness. Uh, but, yeah, and then, like, she was denied, um, a number bib when she went to the marathon, but she just ran anyway without her bib, 
I think, and just lacing up her men's sneakers, and yeah, and then Sports Illustrated described her as a shapely blonde housewife on a jog, even though she's running a freaking Boston Marathon, but okay. And then the next, another woman who tried to do it, Catherine Switzer, she only used her initials in the registration to not um, give away her gender, and then men, I think I've seen pictures of this, maybe you as well, tried to physically throw her off the course, like pushing her, grabbing her sweatshirt, um, because she was a rebellious female runner, and that wasn't okay, and men tried to physically push her off the running course, you know, um, which is like, oof, big oof, um, yeah, so that was the following year, so that was 1967, when that happened, um, crazy, anyway, um, let's talk about body hair, ain't that fun, let me see where I'm at real quick, um, alright, cool, I can have some time, I don't know if you guys like shorter podcasts or longer podcasts, I usually keep mine around the 30 minute mark, but then when I have a guest, like last week I was at like 42 minutes, I believe, and you guys really seem to like that, so I don't really know what you prefer, uh, I'm gonna just keep on talking then, so, body hair, it's normal, um, yeah, basically, Gillette, if you know the shaving brand Gillette, they began marketing with on women's hair in uh, 1915, and they felt like the word shaving was too masculine, so they used the word smoothing, and they also couldn't say the word underarm because it was too risque because of the proximity it is to a woman's boobs, so that couldn't appear in an ad, which is kind of funny, I think. Um, but yeah, then World War Two came, and nylon, like those kind of pantyhose type things, which more, were more common, which meant legs had to be shaved all the time, because legs were showing, um, and in the 1980s, Playboy, uh, Playboy, <laughs> that was a thing in 1980s, basically, women had no hair anywhere, no pubic hair, no leg hair, no armpit hair, nothing, so, like, that was also very, very common in the porn industry as well, and it still kind of is today, of having being completely smooth, um, and how a lot of women, even in, like, 2016, the overwhelming majority of women who did, like, groom, we're just gonna keep on saying pubic hair, it's not a dirty word, we can say that, um, groomed it, or, like, took, shaved it, because they felt like it was more hygienic, when in reality, like, if you, like, nick yourself with, um, a razor, like, that's, more common to cause infection and irritation and like redness and bacteria to come inside than if you would just not put a razor there you know what I mean like so it's not more hygienic it's actually a little bit less hygienic because of the risk of infection due to cuts and nicks and a lot of gynecologists they were stating how, also all of these facts I'm getting from the book, I'm not just like making most of this up 
it's fun when lady like someone i'm like shooting names shooting dates like it's it's legit um how an overwhelming majority of women they would apologize if they want like tidied up before their appointments at the gyno um if they were like untrimmed and doctors are like we literally don't care you know like our job isn't to judge your body hair our job is to like make sure you're safe and healthy down there like it's it's fine we see it all the time don't be weird about it i'm not weird about it yeah so basically there's no wrong way or right way to tidy up to shave to smooth like if you want to do it do it if you don't want to do it don't do it if you want to diet shave it in shapes do it more power to you you know like just don't um if you're gonna have like a hookup and he or she doesn't want because we're not assuming anyone's heteronormative he or she doesn't want to hook up with you because you have body hair that's no like that mm, red flag stop sign like yeah, I remember I was on the train coming home from London, and I got that text message like, hey, do you mind um, shaving before you come over? And I was like, what? What? Um, and I, was, I remember I was reading a very similar book to this one. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but it was like some super sex positive book I got my hands on at this bookstore called Foyers, F-O-Y-L-E-S, in London. So I was literally like, finally getting into like a more positive and like body hair is okay headspace and then I got that text message I said oh I don't know how I feel about this Mm. yeah so if that's the case and they're like hey don't come over if you're not um smooth as a whatever smooth then yikes 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 um one more thing I want to just quickly mention. Um, everyone has a different vagina. And all of them are beautiful. And they're all great. And there's no need to have anxiety about it. Saying that from someone who does... I don't have anxiety about it, but like I just don't want to look at it. And I probably will get a mirror this morning when I'm done recording to like take a peek. Um, I remember I was at, like, a pelvic physical therapy, and she was like, do you want to see it? And I said, no, I'm good, I'm okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, it's cool, it's cool. And everyone is a little bit different, like, for example, I think the, what's the word, internal labia? Like, some of them are, like, five centimeters, some of them are five inches or outer labia. Like, everyone's a little bit different. You know, some people's inner labia is longer than the outer labia. The outer labia is longer than the inner labia. And just like penises, lengths vary and it's totally fine. Um, like, and there is surgeries that can change how your private parts look. And... Even though doctors tell women, like, hey, aesthetically, like, your labia is aesthetically normal. Like, 40% of women still kind of went through it. Um, 
and got surgery to have their labias look different. Um, yeah, and yeah, basically, like, really, the clit is new. It's not new, but the information about it is new. And until, like, the mid-1960s, women didn't know how crucial the clitoris was. And it's interesting because, like, it's such a small piece of our anatomy on the outside. And then if you go inside, it's, like, five inches of, like, stuff. And I've seen, like, necklaces and earrings and, like, jewelry and pins and buttons and stuff with, like, the whole the shape of the whole clitoris. I went to a women's conference a few months ago via the Vision Mistress Network and the host had a necklace that had like a clitoris on it and I texted her I was like where did you get that and she's like oh I got it as like a work present of being like here for like two years or something which I thought was cool and this chapter ends with this is what your vulva looks like with a very detailed um anatomy and description of you know, a clit, labia minora, labia majora, um, pubic hair, your, where your pee comes out of, like, all bumps and mucus and openings, like, and it's cool. And it's a little bit scary for me to kind of, like, be like, oh, okay, that's what that is and that's what there is, because, like, it said, this is what your vulva looks like. No two vulvas are alike, but they are all, but they all share some common and uncommonly discussed traits grab a mirror and follow along um which i should get a mirror i think everyone should get a mirror and just look at look at that side but it's a little bit scary so yeah and i also had um i wanted to talk about this basically so the vaginal opening um it doesn't penetration doesn't stretch out the vagina you know it's it just expands and contracts without loosening. Um, so when we're like super aroused, you know, our vaginas can relax and have penetration. Um, and the fetishization of tight vaginas, which is something I've always been very anxious about, my vagina being uh, fetishized, I suppose, um, is more about like anxiety and women feeling anxious and tight, and they can't relax. So basically, if someone is fetishizing, like, a tight vagina, it's, you're bragging about the fact that your woman is not comfortable in bed with you. Hmm. And then, so basically then it said, basically, if you're aroused and wet and all that, um, it shouldn't hurt. And then it had little parentheses. What if we're talking about painful tightness that's even sensitive to tampon insertion? It might be a surprisingly common genital nerve condition called vigimistus, which is what I have. Um, so I like seeing, I like feeling represented in things like this. It makes me feel very nice. So I think that's where I'm going to end off from there. Uh, it was a good chapter. We got through all of it today. So congratulations. No part one, part two, because it was a little bit shorter. And the next chapter is called Beauty Bargains, Concealers, Contours, and Statement Lips. So I think we're going to be talking about the marketization of women's beauty standards, which is fun. So stay tuned for that one next week. 
and I love you guys, and I hope you have a great week, and you stay productive, and the weather's getting a little bit nicer, so I hope you get to go outside this week. Alright, bye, I love you.